It's 1995. The first planet outside our solar system is found. President Clinton confirms Area 51 does exist. Michael Jordan returns to the NBA, and Robert De Niro and Al Pacino return to do a film together, too. GameZillaMedia.com It's time for the last action podcast! Pop quiz, hot shot! Hey, motherfucker. I feel the need for need for speed. Please, we can kill it. I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum. Come with me if you want to live. Welcome to the Last Action Podcast. It is I, the Sphinx, and with us for every single goddamn episode, he will not go away, my co-host LPJ. You want to know why? No. And also with us today is Hovercraft Joe, as always. Joe Hara. What's up, guys? Hey, how's it going? I'm great. Is there someone else here? Oh, we're oh, LPJ or whatever. <laughs> but we also have a special guest today. So I've brought on my buddy Jeff. Jeff, hello. Welcome, guys. Uh, happy to be here. Yeah, good to have you. Yes. <laughs> I mean, mostly good to have you. I mean, this movie, <laughs> we'll get to it. Yeah. Wow. All right. You're already coming guns blazing, too, huh? I just, well, I, I, don't, hate, I don't hate the movie. But minute one, and you sound exasperated. <laughs> I do. Right? This movie, that, that's going to be an issue. This movie was long. It yeah. was long. It is the longest movie we've ever done on this show, right? I mean, we're no. Talking. No, oh, I think so. Wasn't Avengers longer? No. No, no, no. Avengers no, no, is no. like two hours, 20 minutes. Because this is, this is this a was three. nearly three. It's two hours and 50 minutes. Yeah. So it's borderline. All right. That's yeah, three okay. hours. Yeah, no, you're right. Yeah. So anyway, the movie we are doing <laughs> is Heat from Warner Brothers. Came out December 15th, 1995. So before we kind of get into it, um, let's discuss kind of our first time we saw the film, first impressions of it, whatever old experiences we have with the film. Jeff, you want to go first? Sure. Uh, You know, I think with this movie, it's probably one of the first action movies I really remember that was as gritty, I guess, as you can be. And wasn't campy and wasn't silly and wasn't uh, lasers or anything like that, but was more rooted in kind of a realistic over-the-shoulder shootout scenes uh, and that kind of thing. Uh, And so that's probably my first uh, real hardcore action experience because I was probably seven or eight at the time and shouldn't have been watching it, but was. Yeah, that, that makes sense. I mean, we're, we're in the era 1995 where there is just silly action movies galore <laughs> at this point. And so this is kind of a return to, to old form or just trying to bring back the, the seriousness of, of what it's all about. So you don't, you don't like the lasers? Come on now. Yeah, no, not, not, not that much of a fan, no. Okay. He's really going to hate our Moonraker episode. <laughs> <laughs> uh, for me, this was... For some bizarre reason, I mean, we've shared this experience many, many times. This was a movie I saw in the living room with the whole family. <laughs> that is weird. It is weird. So I would have been nine, I think. Um, I don't really have any other like kind of memory about like how I felt about the movie or anything like that. I'm going to guess nine-year-old Sphinx, this movie kind of went over his head in terms of what was going on. Sure. Um, but, you know, there are all the, the cool action scenes that are in there. Um and it's it's a movie that I remember would be on TV every now and then, and I would just kind of glance through it. But it's 
this is probably the first time I've seen it through since I was probably nine years old. So it's been a while, but I, you know, we'll talk about it. You know, there's some very famous scenes in this movie that a lot of people know that, you know, we'll discuss, but. Yeah, and you know, I I was trying uh, a lot of times with this podcast. I go back and I try and actually remember, like when I know I'd seen this movie before. I definitely didn't see it in the theaters. I know that much. I mean, ninety five, I was fifteen, so I wasn't seeing it in the theaters. I'm sure I remember seeing it at some point, rented from the video store, watching it. You know, enjoying it. But honestly, since then, I, I this is the first time I've gone back and revisited since whenever that initial viewing was. Yeah. I um. I I didn't really remember anything in this movie, so I was I'm fairly certain I have I know I haven't seen the whole thing all the way through. The only thing I remember is when we got to the very very end, I remember seeing that scene, but not realizing what movie it was from. So you so this is the first time you've ever watched the whole movie? Like yeah, I've never I've never sat and watched the whole okay. movie all the way down. Is this the scene through. you're talking about when they're like on the air like at the, the airport, airport field? Yeah, the airport. Yeah. At the yeah. very very end, like yeah. where right, right where De Niro gets killed. Yeah. Like oh, I, spoiler <laughs> alert. <laughs> Oh, my, my apologies. Um, yeah, so this is the first time, like, I had seen that scene before, but I had no context for it. So I just knew that there was a scene like that. Um, but I, my biggest memory of this is having to restock it on the shelves at Entertainment Tonight Video Store. It was a, and double, being a double It was cassette. a double VHS, yeah. It was one of the few double cassette movies out there. Yeah. That, re- this and, like, Braveheart. I read that they said Titanic. The, Titanic. Titanic. Yeah. I read that they said the break in between it was after the diner scene is yeah. when it switched to the second take. That's right. So. Yeah. Very good. All right. Um, the film is directed by Michael Mann, who is definitely leading director in these crime dramas. Um, I've got on here, he did the movie Thief, Manhunter, which I didn't know this. I guess Manhunter is our first introduction to Hannibal Lecter. Yeah, Correct. that's right. Yeah. I did not know that. <laughs> uh, and it was quite a few years before Silence of the Lambs, right? I think it was like it's, early 80s. It was 86. 85, 86. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Collateral, which was from 2004. He did Last of the Mohicans, which is yeah, not a crime I, drama. I, but... I, didn't, I, did, I did not know that, actually. That was something I, I was unaware until I kind of looked in when I was looking yeah. into this, which I'm actually, familiar with that movie, but I didn't know I that. I love that movie. I actually did know that part. And that was another one of my uh, memories of this was uh, loving that movie. Even as a kid, was Last of the Mohicans. I can't tell you why, other than my dad watching it over and over again, <laughs> uh-huh. and it just was hours of Daniel Day Lewis running. But for yeah, some really, reason, yeah, I just re- I just remember that, and I and then putting it together that that he was also the director of this movie. So uh-huh. that was another one. But yeah, yeah, he was an executive producer for Miami Vice during its entire um, run on TV. Uh, I also got on here The Inside with Russell Crowe, which I've never seen that. The Inside or The Inside Man? I think it's The Inside Man. It's Inside Man. Oh, maybe I missed it. I'm yeah. sorry. <laughs> Apparently, it was nominated for like seven Oscars. I didn't yeah, know. I think I remember so seeing seems that. seems like something yeah. I should see. Uh, that's, the, that's the movie that I always do the, uh, I used to always do the impersonation of. I'm not remembering it. It was, it was always that. I can't, now, see, now I can't think of what the yeah. impersonation was. But it was this clip they would always show in the video store. Okay, yeah. Um, I can't remember what it is now, though. No. It was Pacino, too. <laughs> That's a great story. Uh, Public Enemies, which was about Dillinger with, um, man, I'm blanking on his name right now. Johnny Depp. Thank you. Christian Bale. Uh, Ali. And then he also produced uh, The Aviator and Hancock. So he does have this relationship with Will Smith as well. Um, but Mann not only directed this film, he produced it and wrote it. Um, and the co-producer with him was Art Linson, which Art Linson is kind of all over the board with his movies. Mm-hmm. Um, Fight Club, Dick Tracy, Fast Times at Ridgemont High, Untouchables, Scrooge, Great Expectations. Um, 
Into the Wild, um, quite a few different films there. In terms of uh, him writing this film, did anyone catch that this is actually based on a true story? Yeah, yeah, I saw some yep. of that. Yeah, they were talking about, I don't remember all the specifics, but kind of like some a yeah, criminal, in, like a detective in, in Chicago, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so there was an actual guy named Neil McCauley, who was Robert De Niro's character. Uh, it was in the 1960s. He actually served time in Alcatraz. Oh. And um, once he was freed from there, he immediately started planning a major heist <laughs> uh, in Chicago. And so Detective Chuck uh, Adamson, who is Al Pacino's character is based off of, which is Vincent Hanna, um, he was keeping tabs on him to see what this guy was going to be up to. Um, Apparently, a lot of the scenes in the film were really what happened to, like stealing the diamond drill bits. Um, They actually did meet in a restaurant (laughs) face-to-face and had a conversation about, if you try something, I'm going to be there and all that kind of fun stuff. And then even the the heist gone bad at the end, that was a true thing that did happen in Chicago. I think it was 1964 that that actually occurred. So that gave me a little bit more appreciation for the film, realizing that this is based on a a true story. Pop quiz, hot shot. What famous actor who is a former Chicago police officer helped consult on this movie? It's Dennis Farina. It is Dennis Farina. I didn't know that. I did not know that either. Mm-hmm. Wow. I didn't realize he was a, until he was doing research for this, I didn't realize he was a cop. Yeah. I but guess. he's definitely a Chicago cop. Yeah. R.I.P. Yeah. Dennis Farina. Did he die? Yeah. Really? I'm like 90% sure he's dead. All right. It wasn't that long ago. Oh, all right. <laughs> all right, man. D- Dennis Farina's uh, off the Deadpool. <laughs> <laughs> um, before we get too far away from him, I did want to mention that I... I clocked, clocked. That's the bad word. I, <laughs> I, I found the budget at this to be sixty million, um, with a domestic gross of sixty-seven, which isn't like stunning, but a worldwide gross of one hundred eighty-seven million. Okay. Um, and as far as the the movies from nineteen ninety-five, not uh, LPJ, we just kind of talked about this, so you might remember. But do you rem- remember any of the top-grossing movies of ninety-five? 95 yeah, would we, have been... Uh, be. we, we just talked we about just this. We just did this because Demolition Man, not Demolition Man, Just Dread came in 52 that year. Right. Oh, uh, I know Independence Day has got to be number one, right? And that was 94. No, I think it was 95. Well, it's not on this list, so... Yeah, it was 94. Maybe it was 96. <laughs> it's not 94. Okay. Um, <laughs> I, would, I would guess 96. Yeah, maybe you're right. Maybe it was 96, for Independence 97. Day. Uh, we did just talk yeah. about this. It's all right. I don't I'll remember. You. So number one is Toy Story. That's right. Uh, number two was Batman Forever. And number three was Apollo 13. And Heat came in 25th for the year. Okay. So not bad. Respectable. Yep. So. Did you, get any, did you find anything for um, uh, net worth? Uh, well, yeah. I was. We hadn't got to it yet. Oh, but. Uh, <laughs> do you want to do it? We might as well. Yeah, we can. We can do it right now as we introduce I was thinking, the... We were talking about money. All right. Yeah, is that, is that okay with you? That is fine. Now, I mean, obviously there's a crap ton of people in this movie, so I didn't do them <laughs> net worse for everybody. I just tried to pick a few. Uh, so let's start with uh, John Voight. What do you think for John Voight? His net worth. Net worth. I don't think it's much. I'd say like $15 million. Okay. I'm going to say $10 million. $25. million. Oh, wow. He's been around for a while. He has been around forever. <laughs> and he does act in a lot of stuff. It's true. It's uh, usually it, big things. Is he still alive? Yeah. Well, yes, okay. he's still alive. Yeah. Uh, next up, Tom Sizemore. Ugh. <laughs> Zero. <laughs> say Zero dollars. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to say like... I think he had some problems that he had to deal with for a while. I'm going to say $10,000. $10,000? i will say $5 million. 
Zero dollars. Uh, three million. He's okay. still doing all right. I guess. Um, <laughs> you must still own a house somewhere. <laughs> next, uh, Val Kilmer. Ooh. One of the many Batman. Uh, didn't Val have some issues too? We had cancer. He's had some health issues, I think. Yeah, right? yeah, but he's 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 back from that though. Is he? Yeah, I'll say twenty mil. I'm gonna say a hundred million. Okay. Thirty million. Uh, you guys are pretty close. Twenty-five million for okay. Val Kilmer. I gave him more credit than he deserved. <laughs> just a couple <laughs> it's all more. Medical just a couple more here. I have Al Pacino. What do you think, Al Pacino? Al's a big player. I'm. I'm gonna say. I'll, I'll say a hundred. Okay. One fifty. Okay. Two hundred million. Uh, dancing around it again, guys. A hundred and sixty-five million. Yeah. That was um, close. And then uh, Robert De Niro. De Niro's pretty big. He's gonna be two hundred. I would say two fifty. Okay. Two hundred million. Five hundred million. Whoa! Yeah. He's that's bigger than wow. anyone I think we've ever said. That's bigger it's than Connery cl- and yeah. Uh, yeah. Arnold. It's yeah, it's up there. Uh, Five hundred million. That is that is the highest. Yeah. And then the bonus one I have just for fun because I I was shocked to see this man in this movie is Tone Loke. What do you think? <laughs> I forgot about Tone Loke. <laughs> what do you think about Tone Loke? Tone Loke. Five million. Okay. One million. Okay. Two million bucks. One million. Woo! Right on. Now, so. this isn't really a pop quiz, but you know Tone Loke didn't write his own music? Do you know who wrote Tone Loke's music for him? No. Young MC. Oh, wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so that, that's all I had. Like I said, we probably could have just done net worse for an hour for this movie, but I figured I'd keep it short and sweet. As to, this is what I, minus Tone Loke, I kind of consider the main cast of this, so... Yeah, I, I was going to add just a couple other cast members. I mean, we, we talked to Al Pacino, who's our detective, Vincent Hanna. Um, one thing I found out about him in an early script, he was he has a cocaine addiction. Yeah, I yes. saw that, and they said that that supposedly yep. accounts for his like outbursts of like Pacino ness in the movie. It's that's he, weird. I just assumed it was just Pacino. Yeah, that's what I saw too. I have a note that says like Pacino is really Pacinoing it up in this one. <laughs> oh man, I, I guarantee you, half the money was to rebuild the sets that he chewed up as he was acting. <laughs> I, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw this out right now. I don't think I like Al Pacino as an actor. <laughs> he is. I don't a, like you. <laughs> <laughs> he is just a little too much for me. Well, I mean, spoiler alert: we're doing two Pacino movies in this recording are, session. Which, yeah, we should have got a third other one. one doesn't help him at all either. No, although oh, no. <laughs> honestly, you know what? He chews more scenery in this movie than he does in Dick Tracy. No, uh, no way. Yes, no way. Dick Tracy, it at least makes sense. He's a weird ratty creature. This one, no. I don't want to get into it now, but he chews so much scenery <laughs> so in Dick Tracy. <laughs> it's so bad. Oh, but he does. I, I feel like he's a little more contained in this. He does have like kind of like those outbursts where you get like the real like okay Pacino but I think some of it is more subdued in this. And know? I did read that as well. Uh the the supposedly the character had this cocaine addiction on the yeah. side and that he gave uh, an interview at some point saying something about people saying, oh, geez, you're really Pacinoing it up. And it's like, he was mad. He was like, no, <laughs> you don't get it until you see the whole unedited uh, you know, film that's got all these extra scenes where it explains that. Yeah. God, how long is that unedited film? 18 hours? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Robert De Niro is uh, the criminal, Neil McCauley. Uh, we talked Tom Sizemore, Val Kilmer, um, just some other people, because this, this movie is loaded. Yeah. We got um, Natalie Portman, her second movie ever. We got Amy Brennan, Brennanman. Brennanman. Thank you. <laughs> we said John Voight. We got Dennis Haysbert, who's not talking about Allstate Insurance this time <laughs> no. around. 
Hank Azaria, we got Henry La- uh, Rollins, we got Danny Ortega, we got William Fichtner. See, Fichtner. Fichtner. Henry Rollins was, f- it was weird seeing him yeah, in this. I yeah, should've, I should have looked up Henry Rollins' net worth. Yeah. That was a mistake. But everybody in this is is some kind of either famous actor or famous well, yeah, character Yeah, th- this actor. is kind of one of those movies where like even the tiny roles like... Um, uh, what's his name? Xander Berkeley. Berkeley's in this. Yeah, Xander yeah. Berkeley. And um, uh, Piven's in this. Yeah, Jeremy, yeah, Jeremy Piven. Piven's in this. Piven. I read that in my notes. In I'm like, Jeremy Piven. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's just like a movie where like it'd be like another movie would be like some a- extra, and it's like, oh, wait, that's uh, just Jeremy Piven in a like, yeah. uh, small yeah. role. McKelty Williamson, a.k.a. Bubba Gump. Yeah. Oh, shoot. Yeah. 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 Hank Azaria. Yeah. Danny yeah. Trejo. This is this oh, was Danny yeah, Trejo's Dan- first movie. Yeah, it's crazy how many famous people are in this. Yeah, the other three I had was Ashley Judd, uh, Ted Levine, uh, who I just always remember him. He's the the boss cop from Monk, that TV show. Yeah, he's also also Buffalo Bill. He's also Buffalo Bill, Bill, yeah. yeah. And then Wes Studi. Tom Noonan is in this. He's a fan. Tom Noonan plays... He was in Last Action po- or Last Action, Action Hero. Hero. Yeah. Last Action Podcast. He's, Last Action Podcast. <laughs> he's, he's been, been on. The show? He's been on the show. Yeah, you guys missed. It was before you. <laughs> Dang. Does he like us on Instagram like Wesley Snipes? <laughs> <laughs> Nobody likes us on Instagram like Wesley Snipes likes us. On Instagram. I'm just gonna say, guys, we should do more Wesley Snipes movies. <laughs> well, Passenger 57. That, that's on the list. <laughs> that is gonna be coming up soon. I hope. Okay. Man, U.S. Marshals was on TV at the bar. It was that last night? So, did you watch it? Well, I saw it on in the background. But he <laughs> Fair was enough. Yeah, I was like, so. "What are you doing?" The bar watching. <laughs> he was. Marshall. He was like, "Hey, turn down, turn down the NBA finals. I need to hear what's going on with this." <laughs> it was before the finals. Oh. Anyway, uh, I do have a quick pop quiz here for us too, and then I'm actually going to our quiz. Hot shot. I'll get into our lightning round after that too. Um, so there was one shooting location that almost didn't happen for this movie, and that was LAX. Um, Los Angeles' airport. Did anyone catch why? There was a major event that happened in 1994 all over the news. They had it all set up to film there, and then this occurred, and they, they almost had to postpone I production. read about it. Now I can't think of what it is. I, I honestly didn't catch this in any of my research. No. So I don't the know. only thing I can think of would be like O.J. Simpson chase. Good guess. It's not. A um, little bit more local with who the person was. Famous University of Michigan graduate Unabomber? Yeah, it was the Unabomber. So he gave a threat to LAX and they had to shut everything down and it was right in the middle of filming the film. Filming the film. Uh-oh. I have a pop quiz almost within a pop quiz. This movie was filmed entirely on location. How many locations were used during the filming of this film? It's one of my lightning round questions, you jackass. Well, oh. I'll pre-answer it 65. <laughs> yeah. That's correct. <laughs> it's right. actually the very first one I had for the lightning round. Let's do the lightning round before anything else gets 65. ruined. 65. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm going to skip that one, but good, good, good work. Crap, Joe. <laughs> Where's lightning round in this? Uh, I don't know. Oh. Where's our music? How much longer do I got to do the music? Hey, hey, I found it. Oh, there we go. All right. We ready to do this? Yeah. All right. So question one we just did, thanks to LPJ's pop quiz. Number two, what actor in this film has actually served time in Folsom Prison? Danny Trejo. Correct. <laughs> Number three, John Voight appears, uh, appearance is based on what famous country singer? Chris Christopherson. No, good guess. <laughs> Willie Nelson. Willie Nelson. There you go. Apparently the movie Thief had Willie Nelson in it. That's what it's based on. Number four, what other movie was Val Kilmer shooting at the same time? Batman Forever. Batman. There you go. All right. Five, what t- 
cake do we see in the film 11. from the film? Okay, from the famous <laughs> restaurant scene. How many times is the F word used? Oh, I had that as a pop quiz too. The answer uh, 300. is no. The answer 52. <laughs> it is 52. <laughs> so I had to find it in my notes. It was in my notes. I couldn't find it. Mostly by De Niro and uh, Pacino. Number seven, how many rounds of ammunition per oh, that was other one. on average was used? 800 to 1,000. Yeah, so I went with 900. <laughs> Eight, who are the four Oscar winners in this film? Uh, Natalie Portman, Pacino, yep. De Niro, and John Voight. Yeah, there yeah. you go. All right, nice. Call. And finally, what character on The Simpsons does Hank Azaria voice that's supposed to sound like Pacino? It's supposed to sound, sound like, like Pacino. Pacino. Uh-huh. Um, it's not Apu. <laughs> it's not Chief Wiggum. Ah, uh, I don't know. He does so many characters. I does. I don't, I don't know. Where's, we, can, we, can, I, can I call Craig? <laughs> Craig would know. Probably. I know. Crossover. It's Mo, the bartender. What? Uh, really? From the movie Dog Day Afternoon that oh, Pacino is okay. in. That's okay. where he bases his voice, is off of Al Pacino's All right, I character. Guess. All right. So that's our lightning round. You guys were going back and forth pretty good. I think LPJ narrowly edged it at the end. No, but... I don't think so. I think Joe had it. I'm just glad that he found the music. Hey, remember before we started recording, I'm like, hey, you got all the sounds ready? And he's like, oh, yeah, they're all here. <laughs> they're la- it's not labeled the way you would think it was labeled. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, but It LPJ. says the man behind the microphone that has nothing in front of him. That's true. Oh. Right, so you come over here and control all the boards. Oh, no, I, you wouldn't want that. No. <laughs> There's one more actor I did want to bring up that we haven't talked about yet that has a fascinating story. Uh, Kevin Gage is his name. Mm-hmm. Uh, he plays Wayne Grow, who's the long-haired you know, guy that, that pretty much rats everybody out. Dirtbag. Yeah. He um, was in jail in 2003 for growing marijuana. Apparently, the people in jail called him Wangrill because they loved him <laughs> so much in the movie. So in the prison, he was always known by that name. And then Wangro himself is based on a real person um, that was ratting out criminals in Chicago. He went missing one day, and they found him years later in the middle of Mexico with his body nailed to the wall of a shed. So apparently those mobsters in Chicago got the, the rat bastard back down the road. I liked that story. <laughs> no, it's good. It was wonderful. All right. Are we ready to get into this film now? I think so. Yeah, let's do it. All right. Well, how we want to start it? Just <laughs> going into this this very first heist that we see happen here. Yeah, that's what's nice. The movie just kind of goes right into it. Yeah. Like there's it, it's it's a heist movie and it goes into a heist. Yeah. Yeah. So it's with this armored truck. Um, we see, you know, you, you kind of see the professionalism of how it really gets set up, like. What was interesting that I found out later on, too, in some of my notes I was taking, this is not a good thing, but apparently this this opening scene was so realistic for how to knock over a armored truck and how to extract things from it that there was a huge spike in attacks on armored vehicles yeah, globally that. <laughs> yeah, um, that. because they would take from this movie how to actually get the job done because... I mean, you see it in the first was maybe like ten minutes yeah. of you know worth of it. You know, you see the meticulousness of how they have it all set up when they got the spikes on the road. When they use, I don't know what the explosive was that they were using. It's something for demolition, mm-hmm. demolitions or whatever, because they get it from um, 
They buy it in like Arizona or something, they say. Yeah. And then we find out that they're not there to take money. They're there to take some bearer bonds, which we've talked about with the Die Hard episode, I believe. <laughs> yeah. And so, um, you know, as it turns out, um, they, they get in and out of there, you know, scot-free, no problems at all. We well, find out that, well, go well, ahead. well there have, is a big problem. They do well, have some problems, yeah, because that, that Wayne girl guy is kind of like... He's the, twitchy. Yeah, he's kind of like, you get the impression that De Niro and Kilmer and Sizemore are kind of this, like, well-oiled machine who work together all the time, and he's kind of brought in as an outside element to this. Well, he's, like, having a coffee at a coffee shop, I think, and they stop and pick him up. So yeah. they make it very clear that he's not part of the usual team. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And he kind of, like, has a issue during the, the when they're holding the guards and ends up, like, shooting one. and then he, they He's essentially just a murderer. He yeah. just likes to kill people. Right. Because there is kind of that whole, like, subplot about he's, like, a serial killer, but they never really follow up on. Yeah, not really. Yeah, that's the thing. I think in general with this movie, the fact that they made it so long is you are in the, the first two hours maybe like you're getting in all of these stories from all of these characters and then eventually they they kind of come in but you yeah. still have some question marks in the end like yeah. i know like one that i still didn't didn't figure out what was going on for so long and then there was um not a big payoff in my opinion was actually dennis Haysbert's character yeah you know he was the cook um, apparently he had just gotten out of jail, so he was on parole, so he was trying to find a job. I think he was one of their previous getaway drivers. He was, yeah, because De Niro, you know, they gave him a big hug yeah. when they were going to yeah, do that. Yeah, knew him from prison or something. Yeah. Yeah, but it, then, like, when it's finally time for him to shine, and he's going to be in the getaway car, he, he gets shot dead, like, within, what, three, four minutes of, <laughs> no, that's of the, the getaway? No, that's the irony of it, right? That he's trying to do this straight path now, and his wife or girlfriend is like encouraging him to you know do it and and this is his you know out of parole job and and he's going about it and then that's the you know he gets the opportunity to make a quick buck which is probably what got him there in the first place and then that's the irony that the one time he you know does it they get into trouble i guess i was just cheering for him that he wasn't gonna <laughs> he wasn't gonna go with De Niro, and it, and it was not a very very long decision it was like okay i'm gone <laughs> it, did, it did seem slightly convenient that they're like oh man we don't have our driver hey there's this guy in the kitchen who i know from prison who's a driver that is true. And a movie that does like a lot of things really well for that, to me, that was kind that of like a true. little like, yeah, yeah it would have been better. It's very convenient. It would have been better had they not been in that diner and he'd be like, oh, I know a guy or something like sure. that. Not it could have like, been worse. He could have just been walking down the road. And they're like, hey, it's our buddy. <laughs> hey, buddy. <laughs> Come but, on, get in the car. But yeah, no, Dennis Haysbert. Like they do. That is kind of like a slow burn. They introduce him pretty early in the movie. And then it's like, OK, he's dead. Yeah. Um, we then see. um Vincent ha uh, Hanna, uh, Al Pacino's character, shows up to the crime scene. Um, you know, he's running through the list of things that they need to do, check the explosives, figure out names. What was the name that he called people that he wanted them to double Slick. check? Slick. Slick, thank yeah. you. Slick, you know, trying to investigate with the coroner all the details of, of the three dead bodies. Yeah. Because um, as it turned out, as we said, you know, Wangro, you know, a little bit jumpy on the job. He ends up just murdering the one guy for, yeah. for no real reason, and then they got to kill the rest so yeah. there's no witnesses. So um, that all happens. De Niro gets pissed with Langro, is about to murder him in the parking lot, um, but he, he gets away at the last moment, which is definitely going to burn badly for them at the end of the film. And, um, yeah, then we start to figure out 
that De Niro is working with John Voight's character. He's like their fence, right? Is that what? Yeah, it is? yeah, he, yeah. He's that's exactly what he is. Okay. And so he finds out that the bonds that they stole come from this this massive drug dealer. I believe he's a money launderer. So he launders money for the cartels. Okay, there you go. And so the money is coming from like the Cayman Islands, if I remember right. Right. And so he says, "Well, we can actually sell back these bonds to him." At a you know a certain a premium markup, yeah, yeah, because he's going to get the money back for insurance anyway, so he'll get that, and then he'll want to buy the bonds back. So they're thinking this is going to be a great deal for them. As it turns out, the money launderer is like, no one fucking steals from me, and is going to try and and kill them all. And that, so that's, oh, go ahead. Did they know they were his to begin with? Uh, that I don't. I, I, I don't. Thought, like, yeah, yeah. John Voight knew. I thought who, John Voight's character says, "I'm gonna like look into it," and comes back with them and says, "Hey, I figured out who these belong to, or something." Right? Yeah, I don't think they knew yeah. where the bonds were from originally. I just because yeah. Voight was like, "I'm gonna research into this and find out," and then he does find out that it came from from that that guy Van Zandt. Yeah, because yeah. I, I will I will agree because it didn't seem like that was their initial plan to sell him back. It seemed like after they got him and found out they were his, then he's like, "Hey, we could do this instead." Yeah. Uh, and then there's another deal uh, to rob a bank, which is going to be, they believe it's going to be a $12 million haul right. um, to happen here. And so we've got, I'm just trying to look at what else I have here. You know, we just see a lot of stories developing yeah, between everyone. They, this, this movie is, I mean, there, there are some really good action sequences. It's a lot of character work. I mean, we're really... It's a lot of character it's work. It's like you're really diving into Pacino and De Niro and their kind of home life and kind of... It, it, I, I, all in an effort to think, you know, because they're kind of both these driven guys on opposite sides of the coin, you know, and it kind of like you see how their, you know, commitment and being driven to these paths kind of affect everything around them and them trying to have like a personal and normal life. Well, and that leads me to the question, why is Natalie Portman even in this movie? I, I don't really know. I mean, she is... Al Pacino's third wife's daughter, but right. Al Pacino is, you know, it's his stepdaughter. But yeah, but so, and, they and seem then to she's have like more of a sui- connection. Yeah, they have more connection. She's suicidal. You know, we find out she tries to kill herself near the end of the film. Um, but you're right. That is a character that, you know, I don't think pays out in the end as much as we thought it did. No. Maybe it was a way to try and reconcile the the marriage that seemed to have fallen apart at that point. But even then, what was the point of that? Like why why even have any of that stuff in there? Yeah, I mean there's I mean there's a lot of stuff in this where I mean you could like you said it's or I said you know it's a lot of character work and I guess that's the reason for why it's in there but it does seem like there could be a chunk that you could cut out of this. I think going back to to Jeff's earlier comment, I think that this movie is trying to create a realistic picture of what's going on. Is we're not trying to see a very two-dimensional you know, understanding of these characters. Like, we want, like, you know, Michael Mann wants us to get the full grasp and it's, of what these people are all about. And it seems like he wants to, the audience to understand the the humanness of these characters in a way that they're not just the old go get them cop and the really bad robber, but that they, they are real people. They have these issues of trying to keep a girlfriend or trying to keep a marriage together that's falling apart or whatever it may be it seems like that's what he was trying to get at was they're still regular people in a way and it is hard to do but yeah and i guess because i think he succeeds in that for the for the for the de niro side of things i think all the stuff with his girlfriend makes sense considering what his code is 
about not having attachments and being able to walk away from whatever situation you're in if you feel the if you feel the heat coming. Oh, you mean don't let yourself get attached to anything you're not willing to walk out on in 30 seconds flat if you feel that heat around the corner. Exactly. That's exactly it. And and I think that all works well for De Niro's character. But I don't think he succeeds in developing anything as far as Pacino's character. It feels it feels very thrown thrown away. Well, I, I think here's the thing. I, I would argue a little bit that they do a little bit. He does okay with Pacino because I think, you know, it's like his third wife and this one's falling apart again. I think you kind of get his obsession with the job where he just he, everything else in his life is secondary to that. But I will agree with you that the Natalie Portman part, like, I don't know why it's there. Like, you could show his, you know, his wife cheating on him and all of a sudden you get that. Like, without, I don't understand, I agree with you, I don't understand why that plot's in there at all. One of my favorite scenes in all film history, (laughs) by the way. (laughs) There's a lot of things you can do, but you cannot watch my television. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, poor Xander Berger. (laughs) My my thought as well is, I think with, with Pacino that I, I liked about it is you you make the assumption that the robber's life is a mess. But we find out in this film that Pacino's life is just as miserable. Like even though he is the quote unquote good guy trying to hunt down the bad guy, it's because of his obsession for his job that he also can't keep a family and a life together. Whereas De Niro is kind of like, I know I can't do this and I'm going to keep my distance. Pacino's character is showing us how big of a mess it, it can be. I mean, if anything, I would say that De Niro's the one who has it all together. Oh, I would agree. Absolutely. Like, yeah. And that's the contrast is, you know, he's the criminal, but he, but everything else in his life is in order. Yeah. Whereas, you know, Pacino's the exact opposite. And, and even this last, this was supposed to be the last heist for De Niro. You know, he wanted this to be it. He found that girl that he was, you know, getting more involved with. He was ready to kind of call it quits. We find out in the end, his anger gets to him and he ends up going out for revenge. Well, yeah. Which I eventually mean, gets him killed. Yeah. I mean, but. he kind of, bra- in, in a way, breaks his own code because he can't walk away from this. And he, he's basically scot free. I mean, he's on oh, his yeah, way to the airport and he can't. Every chance. Yeah, he could have got out completely free and just had to go get Wangro. Yeah. He, so, I mean, it's like that thing. He couldn't walk away from it, but instead of being like a person or whatever, it's his anger and he can't, like, which is understandable, I mean, yeah. given his position, but. Yeah. So, besides kind of getting all the characters set up and everything that's happening there, the next scene is essentially where they're supposed to be, um, I think it's supposed to be information or drop off an exchange with the bonds. With the new heist that's going to happen, they're meeting in this abandoned drive-in theater. Yeah, they were going to make basically make the exchange. Yeah, and Van Zant um, is setting them up. Yes, yeah, De Niro, and then he's got Val Kilmer hidden in some building nearby. Um, so when they realize with that binoculars and a sniper rifle, <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yep. So you know, then we you know when when he tells De Niro who's in the car, like you got a guy on your right that's you know gonna try and kill you. You know the whole scene goes crazy, shooting like crazy and all that good stuff. And then that's where you know De Niro's like, I'm gonna I'm gonna get you back. Like he calls him because they were doing conversations on the payphones. Yeah, yeah which, the payphone, um, yep. which I do have a, a note that just says like payphones. LOL. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, that's kind of what we see with that. Um, what do we got up next here? Um, the cops are now finally kind of getting ready to set up with stuff. 
um, as they're now kind of tracing these guys, you know, they, they see them. They're, like, hiding on a rooftop, like, watching them leave this restaurant or club, well, whatever that, it may be. And that was one thing I did want to mention is that normally I kind of find, like, the procedural elements of maybe a story like this kind of, like, the yawn. But I, I really enjoyed kind of, like, how you kind of saw, like, Pacino's side of, like, the investigation and all the things he did to kind of solve this mystery and find out who the guys are. I, I find that found that to be kind of, well, most cases I would find it kind of, like, a boring part i think they did a good job with that you know immediately kind of like how their investigation goes how they find out who these guys are and all that kind of stuff yeah, I, think, I agree with that i think that's one of the things about this movie that i that i enjoyed even at a younger age and then as saw it again as you know an older adult and you see the professionalism of both sides of this law enforcement you know and the criminal and they're i think it was probably one of the first movies for me, of seeing the criminals be just as professional, just as precise with times and, uh, you know, intercoms or, you know, inner ear systems and and then also the, the police and at the same time trying to track them. And I think that's that was one of the highlights for me because I, they they. Oh, sorry. Go, no, ahead. go ahead. I was going to say they track them down because Pacino has that informant who he, he's talking to, and he's like, oh, my brother knows something. He's coming in. His brother is the one that Tone Loke plays, and he's the one he's like, oh, I ran into my old cellmate, and, you know, he thinks it's like a bullshit tip, but then he mentioned something about how, oh, yeah, oh, yeah every, he, he, I can't remember if everyone called him slick or yeah, he, every, called, yeah. he called everyone slick something. or whatever, and then he's like, oh, and then they find out who it is, and that's what kind of how he gets on the, yep. the case of the crew. Then we see this the scene of unprofessionalism go on. So, you know, they're already, they're on this stakeout. It's when they're trying to break in to take, um, what's it they're trying to get? It's like a third, because there's like kind it's of like... It's like some metallurgy they had like thing, the, or... They had the original heist that they pulled, and they were working on some kind of other one where they were stealing some kind of metals, and then they decided to take the bank one instead, because there was kind of like three different They were, were going to do the bank one after. They did right. The, they, they were going to steal the... The, the metal the, one. The diamond... One, um, the diamond metals or whatever. Yeah. 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 And, and that was when they, they had already the planned that. Yeah. yeah, and everything was, was working perfectly, and then it was one of the cops that just made an accidental noise, like leaning against the truck or whatever it was and again like the professionalism and the smartness of de niro knows the, immediately like something's the up. code you know like you hear anything walk away and get yeah. out you know he taps val kilmer and tells him to stop doing the drill or yep. just yeah. drilling just, into something they just leave everything yeah and, and just go. walk out here yeah yeah and then I, I have the quote here you know they're saying we got heat you know they're on to us and then <laughs> it's the conversation yeah it's time time to hit the bank and then i like the scene after that so then they're they're talking like on the docks and you know, along the shoreline, and they're they're there just as a setup. So they're they're kind of talking about what's going to be the next heist, but the idea is that they're there so that the cops then show up yeah, there. That is so that De Niro scene. is then watching from up above to figure out who are the cops that are chasing us down. Yeah, yeah. who is it that's trying to come after us? So I thought that was a cool scene. That, Pacino that was figure, really cool. Pacino figures us out too. You yeah. know. You know, because everyone's like, why in the hell are we here? Like, what's going on? And he's like, Argh! you know, he goes Pacino on us and shares why that is. Yeah, his other cops are pointing out, well, there's freeways here. There's an <laughs> oil refinery. There's this, that, and the other. And then, yeah, he has that epiphany moment that's like, who are they looking at? They're looking at us, the LAPD. It's just great. <laughs> yeah. Then we, you know, we find out Val Kilmer's character uh, has a pretty rough relationship with his wife. I think uh, I even know that basically everybody in this movie has a messed up relationship. Oh yeah, <laughs> I, I, Tom Sizemore's family seems okay. They seem okay. 
in, which is but kind that of is funny. like it. Yeah. <laughs> which is kind of funny too, based on of yeah. the three characters. He's <laughs> sure. the one with the normal life. Yeah. Um, and so, well, he's and and, and Val Kilmer's character is a gambling addict. Yes. yes. So he's a huge gambling problem, and that's that's what the issue is. And so his wife, who's played by Ashley Judd, um, ends up cheating on him with Hank Azaria, who is in Vegas, and they end up, the cops go to Vegas to, to pick him up, um, which I can't remember why the, well, they the first see, time was well, to they, pick him up. They're trying to, they're trying to get some leverage on them. Yeah. And so they follow um, 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 Val Kilmer's, they follow Ashley Judd, and, and they see that um, Hank Azaria is there, and they see him come out of the house. So they That's track right. him down to figure out who he is. They found out he's basically a criminal, also. Yep. Um, yeah, for like cigarette smuggling. Had some old rap on him or something. Yeah, something. Yeah. yeah. So then they they get him to 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 flip basically Ashley Judd to flip on Val Kilmer. Correct. <laughs> and that's where we get you know the the insane lines from from Pacino there. Yeah. Well, She's and, got a great ass. <laughs> and if I remember, I, I swear I I remember seeing this or hearing this somewhere that like that scene he did it countless times, and. He kept going, you know, more over the top, yeah. more over the top. And Michael Mann kept pushing him to like, nope, you're not there yet. You got to really go for it. And and then he thought he was being completely ridiculous. And this would never make it in the movie. And that's the one that Mann loved. <laughs> and that, that was all improvised, too. And this is when I wrote in my notes, Al Pacino is too much for me. <laughs> just, just too much. All right. So from there, um, we kind of get this. I'm trying to look. Yeah. So now it's the setup. So Pacino knows enough. He wants to have this confrontation with Macaulay, with with De Niro's character. So I don't know how he finds Macaulay's car. No, they're they're already tailing him. They're already tailing and him. And so okay. Pacino checks in with That's his right, guys. That's right, because he was in the helicopter, right? Yeah, and Pacino yeah. checks in with his guys and says, all right, what's going on? And they, they locate him. And so... Pacino says, all right, give me a helicopter. I'll be at this place. Give me a helicopter. Yeah. So they he's in the helicopter. They fly him down to a car, mm-hmm. and then he gets in the car, jumps on the expressway, and then that's when... He pulls him over. He pulls, he pulls him, him over. Yeah, which, you know, De Niro hides the gun, and he's like, let's talk, let's go get a cup of coffee. And he's like, sure, whatever. And that's where we essentially get I, probably one of the most famous scenes yeah. in, in cinema, right? Like, it's, yeah, the, fir- it's so. the first time that they were ever on the screen together. Yeah, right? Which is, you know, and I don't... You might remember this, LPJ, and I kind of, like... Rem- but like I remember when this movie came out, there was like a big thing, and it ended up being a rumor where they were like, "Well, Al Pacino and Robert De Niro don't get along, like that they didn't like each other." Right. And people were like, "Well, they didn't even film any scenes together." And there was like a big like running rumor that they didn't even film that diner scene together because none of the shots were there in the same yep. one. But I, I guess that's been dismissed. And I even read a thing that Michael Mann said, like, if you watch it in like the widescreen, the actual format, letterbox, then yeah. you can actually see some in some of the long shots. You can see them both They're in both the same there. shot, but. Yeah, I remember I read, that for a long time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I read, too, that they had two cameras running at the same time, and that's why the scenes look like they could be, you know, not actually together with each other. Yeah. Um, but there was no rehearsal right. for any of that scene. They De Niro wanted it to be as authentic as could be. And awkward as, as possible. Yeah. And it does pay off. It's it's a great scene. It's a great it's scene. Really, really, yeah. I would say that that and the shootout are the two gems of this film. Yeah, yeah. correct. It, and it's like that the the shootout is kind of like an action like you know like you said it's just perfect and that that diner scene is kind of like an acting masterclass. You're getting two people at the top of their craft, you know, going at it, which I forgot to mention at the top, but man, 
especially De Niro in this, looks so young to me. Yeah, they both yeah. do. Well, it's, bef- it's before they both started just doing terrible movies for money. <laughs> I mean, this that. is still when they were like the A-list. You know, I, what they're probably... 50, late 40s, yeah, I saw 50s. Them in their 50s. So, yeah. I mean, like, they were still top A list actors at this point. They, yeah. Like, people were in awe of, and now you're kind of like, oh, is this Meet the Parents 4? <laughs> <laughs> I got a pop quiz, real quick. Pop quiz, hot shot. What other famous crime mob movie actually came out one month after this one came out? Oh, I know this. It was Casino. Yeah, mm-hmm. with Casino. De Niro. Which, that's crazy that they came out one month after each other. Yeah, that does really. Bl- and they don't. They don't seem like of the same. They don't seem like films of the same era of filmmaking. No, no, not at all. Like they just seem. That's Scorsese, isn't it? Yeah, Scorsese. Yeah. yeah, but it, I mean, it tells you like what the big disparity is between these two films. They just don't even seem like they would have been made in the same decade. I've never, I've never no. seen Casino. So that is ridiculous. <laughs> wow. I, you know, I, and this is maybe a topic for a, a Patreon or something. But I'm not like a big like gangster film guy. That's fair enough. I've seen like Goodfellas and I've seen the Godfather movies and that's about it. Other than that, they just don't really interest that me. Departed. Okay, I've seen The Departed. Okay. I actually have not seen The Departed. Oh, oh Departed! Oh, yeah. I love The Departed. I keep me. It's this on my movie list. kept me. making me think of The Departed <laughs> and how we need to do that. Yeah, because that's, that's that's a great movie. Yeah. Okay. Um, surveillance gets pulled. I don't really know why they decide to pull the surveillance on these guys. Well, I don't uh, know if but they... Pacino gets pissed. I don't know if they pull it. Don't they kind of figure out that they're... They being... slip their tail. They dump it. all yeah. at one. Yeah, yeah. They, like, they figure they out how to dark. slip the tail. Okay. And so that's where we find out, um, the long-haired guy's name's blanking on me again. Danny Trejo. No. Wangro? Wangro. <laughs> Wangro, thank you. Uh, Wangro is now... Pretty much talking, or at least he talks to Van Zant, right? To say, I think it's to to set up. Well, it, it goes in kind of two steps. It's he tells Van Zant what's going on, and then Van Zant tells the police what's about to go on with the bank heist. So he tips him off. He yeah. tips him off, correct? And so then we find out that how they got this information was from Trejo, because he ends up um, saying at the last minute he can't do the gig. Um, the bank heist. The he bank can't heist. do the driver because he's the driver. He's the driver. Yeah, he can't do it all of a sudden. That's where conveniently Dennis Haber's <laughs> character shows up. Um, but then it's it's time, right? We have this other classic, insane scene of this bank heist uh, go on, and I mean it's it's a phenomenal spectacle of cinema, yeah. just setting the whole process up. And I don't know if you have in the notes. I mean, I I, I can't imagine how long. That whole sequence is. It's got to be 20, 30 minutes. I mean, from start to finish, that whole sequence. It's, it's long. Yeah. It just, it the reality part of it, I think, is what's kind of cool. Yeah. Is that it's, it seems like it's not just the quick couple of shots, oh, bang, bang, robber dead, it, that you normally have seen up until 1995. You know, it's, it is the full, you know, there's civilians in the way getting pushed over. One of the cops gets actually. I think it's the the Buffalo the guy who was Buffalo Bill gets shot. Yeah, yeah. Right shot next dead to with his eyes open while he's murdered. <laughs> that's that's one thing I wrote down in my notes is is just how real everything looked, and even like like scary in a way because you're watching cops getting shot and killed. Yeah, uh, and just the the way that it's happening to them, it's like you know this this does not look like cinema. This looks like the real deal. How did you guys watch this movie? Just out of curiosity. Like, what did you watch it on? Uh, I rented it on Comcast. And you watch it just on your TV, right? Just on my TV. And yeah. I was on my 65-inch TV. Okay. Yeah, just home so, TV and Blu-ray. So I have, I have a, you know, just a regular, like, old plasma 50, but I have a sound system in my house. Mm-hmm. The sounds in the, I have never heard 
anything like this before. And then I was as I was reading, yeah, he miked the he miked the guns. Yeah, it's all live. They it's didn't all dub live. It. Yeah. yeah, it's all the actual gunshot sounds from these these guns being fired on the set at the time they were happening. I wrote it down in my notes because my sound bar picked it up so amazing too. I'm like the echo of those machine gun yeah. sounds were insane. And then I also looked up that yeah he miked the whole area to get that true sound. And didn't out. he want? To have the actual authentic type weapons yeah. that the police, exactly. you know, he didn't want it to be they're completely overpowering these these criminals. He wanted it to well, be like, what would they actually well, use? And I think the the one thing I saw said that that's why like he had it so like the criminals they have like the automatic weapons they're on like full automatic because they don't care what they're shooting, but all the cops have theirs on like so they're not semi yeah yeah yep. semi so they're kind of taking more measured shots as they would. And I don't know if you saw this. I'm sure you guys probably didn't research, but did you see that they said that like the scene was like so accurate that they show it to like marine yes. recruits as like examples that. of how to like how to retreat under fire because it was like so like perfect. And that I guess like they also show like Val Kilmer like him reloading his gun like yeah, that's like the it's, proper like, way to like, do it. Which yeah. is like crazy that this scene is so accurate that they're showing it to like marines as like, hey, this is the best way to do these kind of things. <laughs> yeah. Insane. So, you know, they're, they're driving down the road trying to escape. You know, the police have it all blockaded. So then they're getting out of the vehicle. All the shooting's going around. Kilmer gets shot. Um, but De Niro kind of carries them. Sizemore um, splits they off get split from up. them. Yeah. And then Sizemore, it's that horrific scene where he grabs the kid. Yeah. And you're like, shit, what's going to happen here? Um, and then Pacino just gets the perfect shot on him. Like, yeah. I think it was right in the face. Yeah, right, right in the head. Yeah, just yeah. gets him. And then he grabs as the he's kid. holding a, a little girl, you know, in yeah. his arms. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. And that's where uh, De Niro goes to apparently a doctor that he pays off. Jeremy Piven. Jeremy Piven. <laughs> yeah. Uh, to take well, care of. Well, I think he's. I think Kilmer. he's one of like their, the mob, like guy. the mob doctor, yeah. like the criminal doctor. Yeah. And then at that point, De Niro's like, "Well, the guy that was supposed to be with us that ended up canceling at the last minute, we think he's dirty." He goes to his house, finds his wife dead, and he's dying on the floor, just blood everywhere. And then he kind of shares that, yeah, Van Zant got after me and threatened to kill my wife, who he kills anyway. And, you know, he didn't have a choice and had to kind of rat them out type of deal. And so that's when I, I have it on here because I keep saying it. We need a new out. Right. Yeah. We need a new out. So based on the, th the fact that the, the heist got botched. Um, and they, they ditched the money. I don't remember where they ditched the money, but eventually they just had to drop it. I think they had got away with some of it. Did they yeah. get away with some of it? Yeah, I think cause... Kilmer and De Niro had whatever De Niro had. Yeah. Okay, so De Niro's backpack. got capped? Because Sizemore think... obviously didn't get his, and no. I think Kilmer dropped his when he was shot. I, I think would, they, right. I think I they at least had they had De Niro's, sure. De Niro's bag, yeah. Okay. Because he gives a big stack of money to Jeremy Piven. Right. Oh, that's right. Yeah. And I think he gives some to the John Voight yeah. character yeah. to help him. You know, he said, hey, that's get right. me a new, you know, my all of our outs have got to be blown Redone, yeah. at this point. Yeah. At this point, he finds out where Van Zant lives, shoots the hell out of him. Yep. Um, so then he's gone and he's out of the way. And, um, yeah, from, from there, we find out um, Val Kilmer is kind of back to health. He's going to grab his wife so that they can get out. Um, we find out that the cops are already there with the wife, and it's her job to bring him upstairs so they can essentially arrest him and take care of him. And, you know, they're exerting the pressure on her that, you know, your child's only a couple years old, you know, 
they don't know this life that you that you lead and you know you're an accomplice to what your husband's doing and you're gonna go away a really long time if you don't help us out and it seemed i i believed it till the time it happened (laughs) that she really was gonna rat him out yeah and then at the last moment when she sees him down on the road you know she kind of does something with with like a hand signal yeah. yeah, which is, and I'll just cover this quickly. That's kind of the one issue I had with this movie. All this like spectacular by the books police work and all this stuff, and then so she waves him off, and he drives off and gets stopped by a checkpoint, and the cops pull him over, and they're like, "Oh well, no, it's th- it's this guy, and it's you know it's registered this guy," and they're like, "They let him go," but it's like when they have like distributed pictures of him, That's they knew what, what he I looked like. Too. How did how did you know like? All this intricate on spot on police work, but they were like those guys were like, well, it's a different license. They like take so. him out of the car, yeah, like at yeah, least at least to call the you know the real detectives from upstairs. Like, yeah. hey, well, do they, you want to set up eyes on this guy? Yeah, they would have distributed a picture. They knew what he looked like. <laughs> they had been following him, so you think they would have been like, this is the guy. I just I thought that was a little too convenient that they were like, well, it says it's like James Smith. Uh, okay, and then he drove off. Yeah, I agree. I didn't like that. I thought too the basketball players were actually going to be undercover cops, and they were just <laughs> legit. They were just Basketball players. Play yeah. I mean, you'd think they would have undercover cops doing that. Yeah. I thought that that was... Uh, it, and like I said, it normally wouldn't have bugged me so much, but in a movie where all the police work was so thorough, I thought that was kind of a little little bit lazy. Yeah. At this point, uh, Macaulay De Niro's character, uh, the girlfriend figures out that he's kind of behind this. That's all over the news and what's going on. He essentially kind of gives her, I guess, an ultimatum. Like, either come with me and we can start a new life and leave, or, you know, you're, you're out of my life forever. Um, she seems pretty reluctant, but yeah. but goes with them. Um, and then, what's the first time she realizes that he's a criminal, right? Because he had been yeah. lying to her the mm-hmm. whole time. Yep. And then, you know, Pacino just feels defeated because at this point he's like, we 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 lost our chance to to catch them. You know, he ends up going back to his hotel because he ends up leaving his house because, as we said, his wife is cheating on him with um, what's Xander Berkeley that Berkley? we just keep seeing in movies <laughs> we keep doing. I'm telling you, we're going to run into him <laughs> a lot. <laughs> and, and he's just hilarious, too. He's just on the couch like, uh, I can leave if I want. And you said the, the TV quote from earlier. Um, so then he, when he's at his hotel room, you know, then he finds Natalie Portman, his stepdaughter, trying to kill herself. You know, they have the whole hospital scene there. He rushes her to the hospital. Yeah. Um, And he says he's not going anywhere, right? And so then you just have this this real talk conversation with his wife and him, like, is there any way to save this marriage? You know, are we going to be able to make this work? And they both kind of say, probably not. This just isn't going to happen. And then his his pager, which again, let's age this movie, (laughs) pager, goes off. And finally, she's like, "Just, just take it. And this is when he finds out he's got this final opportunity um, to get Macaulay. And so... And I think in that conversation, too, and it's either that one or it's maybe one before, but he gets into the whole, you know, he seems to have a heaviness and a a responsibility that he feels to these uh, victims, families of victims. This is why I'm up at night. This is why I'm out of the house at 2 a.m. or whatever it is. And she just doesn't seem to get why he can't shut that off at some point. And just come home and be a normal person. And and that conversation, I think, is just really a deep one. Yeah. Um, everything is all set for De Niro and his girlfriend to leave. But at the last minute, he does find out where um, 
Wayne Grove. Where yeah. Wayne Grove is John, at. John, John Voight, Voight tells him. John he's Voight like, he's him. like, I don't know if he still care, but this is where he is. I wonder if Voight did that on purpose, knowing that McCauley was going to go after no, him. No, I don't think so. You don't think so? No. Why would you, why would you say, share that information then? I don't know. Well, because, it, because he asked for it. Because yeah, De Niro asked him for it, I guess. But like, you're on your way out. You're about to start a new life. But I think he is, and then, and I think that's why I think that's why Voight said it the way he did. Is he's like, well, you're probably just gonna leave, which because that would be in his character. Yeah, would be to leave. He acts completely out of that's character true. for him to go after Wayne Grow because because the police are on to Wayne Grow at this part, and they've been they know where he is, and they're watching his hotel. And when De Niro goes to take care of him, that's how they. That's how he gets back on the radar again because they're watching the hotel and that's when they call Pacino and they're like, "Hey, yep. this is going down." Yeah, and that's all a great scene with the hotel. You know, when De Niro is just he on had a, a great mission. plan. Oh yeah, he did. He had a good plan to, to get her to to straighten it all out, and he just, you know, I, it was just a matter of luck that Pacino sees him. It yeah. was complete luck <laughs> that through the crowd because he you know he pulls the fire alarm. Well, he sees and the just cars. He sees he sees Edie in the car sitting there. Yeah, yeah. he does. Um, yeah, and, and everybody was running the opposite way, yeah. and he's the only person who's just kind of standing about to get in a car, right? I think that's the other thing, is he's, he kind of does stick out in the scene a bit. Yeah, yeah. But then, it is pure luck. Yeah, and then we get the showdown, you yeah. know, at, at the airport, um, which, you know, great suspense there, you know, with the airplanes continuing to take off, and the lights go on, the lights go and off. the shadows. The shadows and everything. You know, you really don't know, if you didn't see the movie ever before, like, Who's who is gonna come out on top? You know, yeah. is, is Pacino gonna get it done or is De Niro? And we find out that Pacino, you know, just in a quick spark of light, is able to just catch the shadow and, and, and shoot him down. Which is, I mean, I I have two kind of thoughts on this final scene because one, I like it because the whole movie is kind of this cat and mouse between the two, yeah. and then you get this literal cat and mouse chase. On the other hand, I felt like it was a bit too long once they finally got off the runway, and it was kind of like, all right, get get to the point. Like there was, it's yeah. a good like five, maybe a little more than that, of just like them looking in different directions. Yeah. I was kind of like, okay, you could have maybe got to the point a little and quicker. The running, the running from the hotel <laughs> through yeah. the through the yeah. airport, through the runways, yeah. through the field, like. You could have just gotten to the point. <laughs> yeah, I think they could have. I think he could have at that point. We're like, you're like two hours and 40 minutes into this movie, and you're like, all right, let's get to the end of it. <laughs> Which, I mean, the hotel must have been right next door to the. to the. Well, they do say that. Yeah, they say yeah. it's They say it's that's up. right by the airport, right. though. So they do cover that at least. Still, a couple 50 year olds running that far. <laughs> I, I was exhausted watching them. But the Wangro scene when he, he busts in and. You know, hit, puts him on the couch and says, look at me. Yeah. That is awesome. Yeah. And that's kind of how the movie ends. Um, yeah, De Niro dead. Pacino kind of holds his hand, hold his which hand, is kind of yeah. weird, but... <laughs> that is a little strange. <laughs> yeah. But, and then it just yeah fades to the end. So, heat. <laughs> Look at that. We did that in like 40 minutes. Took them nearly three hours. Not bad. Yeah, yeah I think we covered it better, too. <laughs> <laughs> Uh-oh. Well, here it comes. I'm just kidding. Um, uh, I'm now sorry. we're not going to get a Michael Mann-like no. on Instagram. Oh. <laughs> Just some other kind of lasting impacts I had written down. We we did talk about how there was this ro- this surge of armored car robberies based on this movie. Another thing that happened was I guess in 1997 there was a famous event called the North Hollywood Shootout that was almost exactly what the movie did, which it was in North Hollywood. They were trying to rob a Bank of America. It was a huge shootout and showdown. Like 15, 16 people were shot. The, the robbers were killed. And then when they investigated one of the robbers' house, the movie Heat was there. 
<laughs> so they're like, this movie's to blame yeah, for they, that. And they were all like, they had like tactical gear on yeah. and boots and the whole automatic weapons. And yeah. I will say this after seeing this movie, man, watching The Dark Knight. Now, yeah, yeah, the Dark Knight is such a. I don't want. I'm not gonna say ripoff. No, but, but it's such a huge homage to this movie yeah. specifically. Well, Christopher Nolan said this is like yeah. his favorite movie. He, he loves this movie, and they, he directly said his Gotham City was influenced by. Oh yeah. this movie, yeah. which which you're right. Upon like hearing that or seeing that fact, you're like, oh yeah, okay, I, I see. Sure, this. I mean, and even in even in the way things are shot in that movie, like the truck flipping, like even that reminds me of yeah. Heat. Yeah, you know everything. The the guns, the 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 heist at the beginning of the movie of it's just like the beginning of Dark, like the Dark Knight, Dark where you Night. jump right into that's action. exactly with the masks everything. and William Fitchner's and in William it. Fitchner's in Fitchner's it. In yeah. it yeah. I, I think I'm I'm willing to bet that's the reason why Fitchner's in it. I'll bet you could it is. be. Yeah. What I'm curious about is I don't know if you guys saw this, but they said like when they showed this on TV, they cut 40 minutes out of it. Oh, I don't really? know. Yeah, Wait, I don't, what forty minutes? Hey, that's what I'm curious as to what. Because I guess they said that like uh, it was a little. I don't remember exactly, but Michael Mann was like pissed because he was like, "Well, I got like 17 minutes of like different footage to use for the TV version," but they're like, "No," and <laughs> so they cut out like 40 minutes so it could fit in a certain time block, and he wasn't happy about it. Interesting. Well, yeah, it's probably got to fit in a three-hour time block, so they probably have to cut out that much. Just to fit in commercials. And did you see, like, and this is the last thing I really have, but that this apparently was, so this was like, he wrote this story a long time ago. It was originally going to be like a a pilot for a TV show that he was working on. And they ended up passing on the pilot, but they released it as like a TV movie. It was called L.A. Takedown. L.A. Takedown, yeah. Yeah, and it was like apparently kind of the exact, almost same plot of this. I mean, the same characters and stuff like Mm -hmm. that. And then afterwards he re, you know, expanded it and that's where he came from i was kind of interested i was going to see if i could track down this movie on like youtube or something the la breakdown but after spending three hours on this i was kind of like all right <laughs> and there were there were several characters in la takedown that were in in heat yeah i think they said xander berkeley was one of the people in la i takedown. think he was macaulay yeah i think maybe yeah oh really i think so the last impact i had just because we are part of a video game network is there's a mission on grand theft auto 5 that is exactly um the armored truck robbery. So really? I, I have GTA Five. I haven't gotten that far into the game, but <laughs> apparently there's a mission that you have to knock down well, an armored truck and rob it. There was a big. There was a game. There was a heat game that was going to be coming out yeah. that ended up not being ever released. Uh, but I guess it got far into development. And Michael Mann was actually working on the game, yeah. and then it eventually just never never materialized. Yeah, like 2006 or something. I think I saw. Yeah. Yeah. They're like, in this scene in the video game, you talk to your wife about divorce. <laughs> <laughs> it was real, real close to the movie. It's like this whole video game is like a cutscene. <laughs> I haven't done anything yet. All right, so we're going to get some role reversals in real quick. Yep. All right. So I have, I have several, so we'll have to run through them kind of quickly. Um, so for Val Kilmer's character, Chris... Uh, they had so so the, the way role reversal works is I'm going to name a an actor who either passed on the role or was um, up for the role but didn't get it, and we're going to talk about whether or not they would have been better or worse than the person who actually got cast. Uh, so we got so for for Val Kilmer's character Chris, they had Keanu Reeves. I could see that. I, I'm okay with that. Yeah. I, I think Val's fine, but I think Keanu, if, if Keanu did it, it would have been. Good. I think Keanu maybe would have done a better job. Yeah. Maybe. Uh, Johnny Depp? Mm, yeah. Actually, I could see yeah. him. Yeah. I think it would have been great, too. 
Joe? No? You don't, oh, that. Uh, Jeff no, didn't like that one. I don't think so. <laughs> Oh, I can't see Depp doing that. Well, no. think, you, you can't think now, Depp. You that's have to true. think 95 that's true. Depp. 95 Depp. Yeah, that's but, true. That's like uh, that's Gilbert Gilbert Grape, And right? the reason why he did, he had the role, the reason why he didn't do it is because he was filming Edward Scissorhands. Oh, oh really? Yeah. Okay. Wow. Um, Jean Renault. No. Not the professional. No. Not what? for the McCandless character. No, no, I can't see him in that role, no. Uh, Brad Pitt. No. Sure. 95, oh, 95 95 so like so like California, California. yeah I no. think it totally would have been great I, think, yeah. I, I could see yeah, yeah. absolutely I think, been, I think he would have been sure. better than Val Kilmer I think maybe me too I, yep. I don't see it but okay uh, so for uh, Tom Sizemore's character they had Don Johnson he would have been older at that point no 95 uh, yeah I would have been that much older and he was Miami Vice yeah Yeah. I think that would have tainted it though it would have made it too Miami Vice no, I agree yeah, I agree. Uh, Michael Madsen, who had the role, but ended up having to not, ended up either getting fired or wasn't, couldn't uh, continue for whatever reason. I, I would have liked Michael Madsen. Yeah. yeah, yeah. This one was this next one was weird. John Claude Van Damme. No, no. What was it going to do? Start roundhouse kicking people? I don't know, man. <laughs> you would have uh, loved that. Yeah, then. LPJ would have liked this movie like two hundred percent more if JCVD was in it. So we're going to see a pattern now of a particular actor who was basically just like in Michael Mann's mind. Uh, so for Pacino's character, Don Johnson. <laughs> no, no, nope. Uh, Jeff Bridges. Eh, maybe I could have seen. I Jeff could Bridges. see that. I yep. can see that. Yeah. Mel Gibson. No. No. M- Mel Gibson passed on this. He had the role and passed on it to do... Uh, was he doing Braveheart? No, one of the Lethal Weapon movies, I think. Okay. All right. Braveheart would have been right around there, too. It would too, have been Braveheart, though. too, yeah. So for Another the, three-hour phenomenon. Yeah. <laughs> Macaulay, so De Niro's character, again, Don Johnson. <laughs> no. They basically no. was like, Don, what do you want to do? I don't want Don Johnson in this movie at I all. I wonder what happened that Don Johnson ended up not even having one part in this movie. <laughs> yeah. uh, Nick Nolte. Maybe. I could see Nicole. Yeah. Harrison Ford. Ooh. The original, I will say this the original mm. idea for this film was going to be Macaulay was Harrison Ford and Pacino was Mel Gibson. That's how they originally had cast it. I mean, I could. I think I could see Harrison Ford in that. I Wouldn't think. that have been a weird to have seen something like that? Uh-huh. Yeah. It would have been a nice I, I, breaking of his type. Yeah, I, you know? I mean, these are all great names, but I think, I mean, you're comparing De Niro and Pacino. Yeah. You know, I just don't know how you can top them. Yeah, so I, I, I agree with that. I mean, Harrison Ford could be good, but it just it just wouldn't have yeah. made this movie what it is. Yeah. Okay, and the last one was uh, for Nate, for Nate, so John Voight's character, was James Caan. And I will say this, they filmed scenes with James Caan. James Caan got fed up with Michael Mann and quit. And that's, <laughs> why, and that's why John Voight got the role. I could see. I mean, James Conn could yeah, have done a I good could job. See, I could oh, see absolutely. Really, yeah. I also it does not surprise me that James Conn got angry with somebody. <laughs> <else>. <laughs> and that's that's all I have for. Oh. I, there are other ones too, but I'm not yeah. going to really? do this for now. I think it's time we should probably rate this. Yeah, let's do uh, it. Well, before we do that, oh yeah, we'll rate. We'll rate. Yeah, we'll rate first. I'm sorry. All right. All right. So we do Jeff. We do a five machine gun rating. If you want, you can do halves. Um, and we usually allow our guests to choose if you want to go first or last or whatever it may be. It's up to you. I'll go last. Okay. <laughs> uh, I'll go first. So I did enjoy this movie a lot. Um, it is long, which hurts it. 
Um, I do think that this could have been like a perfect two hour and 15 minute movie. Yeah. Like if you would have taken a half an hour off this film, I think it could be an even bigger classic than, than it is. I don't know if I really treat this as a classic. I don't know. It's got classic scenes, which I truly appreciate the authenticity and the realism that this movie has. Um, you know, we've, we've explored today that, you know, the characters and getting to know the characters play such a big role, which I really appreciate that. But I do think this is also a movie that's dominated by the actors in it. And everyone in this movie is at the top of their game, in my opinion. Again, Pacino's not my favorite guy, but for a Pacino film, he's at the top of his game. So I'm going to end up giving it... I'm going to give it three and a half machine guns. Okay. Um, you can go. All right, I'll go next. Um, I think, Sphinx, I think you're pretty dead on on this. Um, I will say this, though. Pacino, I think, is very underrated in this film. I think he is subtly maybe one of his best performances he's ever given in this. I think he's really, really good in it. Um, Pacino, on the other hand, is... Did I say De Niro? I think you said I meant Pacino De Niro. both times. I meant De Niro. <laughs> De, okay. I meant De Niro the first time. I'm okay. sorry. De Niro was underrated. I think this is one of his best performances. Pacino, on the other hand, I think... N- now knowing the whole Coke backstory <laughs> makes a little bit more sense, but he is just eating the walls in some scenes. Like, I'm surprised there's buildings standing after he gets done. Well, you know, they, did, they didn't shoot on soundstage. They did. So. They did. Um, but still, there's, there's parts, of it, parts of him I really, really liked in this. Mm. Uh, and the film in general I liked quite a bit. The action, there wasn't actually a ton of action in it, but the action it had was very, very, very good. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, but I think you're right. I think it is long. I think there's parts of it that could be completely excised from it altogether, and it would make no difference whatsoever. Yeah. Um, and I think it might even make it a better movie. So I'm going to say overall, you're, you're right. I, I say about three and a half. Um, I just want to say quickly, I forgot when you were going through this, that the Rotten Tomatoes score on this mm. is 86% okay. and a audience score of 94. So. Oh, wow. wow, that is That's really a high, high audience score. So I guess for my kind of review here, I'm going to pose this question. Is it possible to see a movie... Know that it's good. Know that all the performances in it are good. The acting's good. The action's really good. But still kind of be like, all right, I don't know if I ever want to watch this movie again. Like, is that... Like, you can accept that the movie is good and not saying it's bad, but still not necessarily love it, right? Sure, like, that's absolutely. that's a fair statement. Because that's kind of how I feel about this movie, watching it. I was like, man, I was like, they're really... They're acting their butts off, and everybody in this is great, and the few action sequences that they are are so good. But I don't know if I could ever see myself revisiting this film. I'll give you a perfect example, Magnolia. Okay. That's a movie that it's I, great, but I could never I don't know that I would ever sit and watch it again. I was even gonna say the Godfather trilogy. Yeah. Those are fantastic movies, but like I've seen them. I don't I don't know if that's one I can watch over and over and over again. So that's kind of how I feel about this movie, is like I recognize that it's a good movie and that it was written well and everything about it. But it just, it's, like you said, it's too long. And movies can be long, but I feel like this one is long to its detriment. Like, I feel like they could have excised a half hour easy and still gotten it tight. But just because that bank robbery scene is so good and the diner scene is so good, I'll go 3.5 with you guys as well. Right. Right. Just been over here kind of like kind of frowning and shaking his head. I just take it in. um, (laughs) I guess the thing. about it, the well, before you say, I will say this: we don't ever bemoan a guest for injecting <laughs> sentimentality and nostalgia into their reviews. Okay, so we're totally cool with that. Okay, uh, yeah, I guess for me, um, 
it's one where the the acting in parts is phenomenal. The diner scene is great and it's classic. The couple of action scenes. Uh, I like the the really the book ending of the action mm-hmm. that it starts and this is one of those movies uh, in the action realm where it just starts out and you're right in the middle of something and you kind of have to figure it out and I like that. Um, but I like that it starts with action and then kind of ends with the big shootout at the end, uh, which leads to the the actual end. Mm-hmm. Um, but I like that really in between there for, as you said, two hours maybe, <laughs> there, there's really not that much action. It's all this character study, which it is too long. The scenes, uh, I think, of the family stuff could be cut out quite a bit, especially the Natalie Portman character, just drags, and you're kind of asking yourself, why is this character here? Um, but I think overall for uh, this one, directors like Christopher Nolan saying, like, this is a huge influence. You see it in The Dark Knight. You see some uh, other directors that have kind of... You see pieces of it. And I think this is one of the more realistic action films of the era, um, in an era of, you know, aliens and other things. It's like this kind of just grounds the 90s a little bit. Um, and so for me, I, I guess I would end up with a little bit too long, um, definitely too many characters probably. So I would go with four out of five. Okay. Yeah, I, think totally we're all, I think we're all kind of in the same headspace on this. Yep. Yeah. Very cool. All right. Um, we're going to go ahead and now seg into our bracket, our hero bracket. Yeah, let's so. give a, a check-in. We are into the second round now. So we are going to uh, we're going to give you an update on the second round of our action hero bracket. We are officially kicking off the second round of the last action podcast action hero bracket, and uh, this second round, the first matchup is, is a doozy. It's Luke Skywalker from Return of the Jedi facing off against Batman, the Christian Bale Batman from Batman Begins, uh, and and is Luke Luke beat John McClane. In the first round, by one vote, we had to go to our Patreon tally to get that final to get that final vote in, and, and that's absolute blasphemy as far as I'm concerned. Uh, but nevertheless, the fans voted it. Luke is in. John McClane is out. We got Luke versus Batman for round two. All right, there you go, guys. Second round is kicked off. Uh, that's that is is quite a matchup. Yeah, excited to see how that one turns out. As am I. Sure. (laughs) (laughs) So, we are the Last Action Podcast. We come to you every single Monday. Every single Monday. (laughs) I'll take it from here. I feel like I had more. I'm a little rusty. I've been out the last few episodes. So, yeah. So, we're we're out here every single Monday. Um, I already said that. Thank you for that. (laughs) Okay. That's it. We're done. <laughs> Every Monday, we're here. No. Uh, no, we got lots of other podcasts on the network. So Tuesdays, we got the Gamezilla podcast. Uh, that that's when it releases. They actually they actually record it live on Mondays. That's true. On yep. Twitch and Facebook, you can watch it that live. That's correct. On Wednesdays, we have Noobs and Dragons, our lo- our Dungeons and Dragons uh, podcast. If you are in love with the tabletop gaming of Dungeons and Dragons and want to catch the story of that, that's going on. Yep. Thursdays, we have Legend of Retro, which is reviewing classic video games. And then on Sunday, we have Noiseland Arcade, which is going through the Simpsons series. Yeah, which every single episode. Yeah, every episode. So, so they say. We'll see how far they get. Yeah, yeah, right now they're in the middle of season two about. So. I believe so. Yeah. So <laughs> Actually, by now, they might be in, into season three. Yeah. Okay. So there is plenty of stuff uh, for you to listen to. If you would like to support us uh, any further... 
Um, we encourage you to please go to patreon.com slash Media. Uh, there are two options. There's a $1 option a month and a $5 option a month. If you decide to help us out with the $5 a month option, we have all sorts of additional perks for you, um, including we do a bonus show every month uh, here at the Last Action Podcast, but so does Noiseland Arcade. And uh, Dungeons and Dragons does a, a behind the scenes episode as well. And we actually have a wrestling podcast that is only on Patreon called The Dungeon of Doom, hosted by the Deadite Knight himself. Oh, that's nice. right. And then if you wanted to get extra votes, like in our hero bracket, um, you can do that through Patreon as well. And then there's other polls that you can be a part of. And that's just for a dollar per month. Yeah. So there you go. So if you can swing some funds our way to help keep things going, uh, we would truly appreciate it. You know what else I appreciate? What? Jeff being here. <laughs> I do, too. Yeah, I as well. Thank yeah. you guys very Thanks. much. It's been uh, been a pleasure. I, thank you for bringing this this movie. I This is one that I have wanted to see, and if you just never really yeah. sat down to do it. So I appreciate you bringing it, because now I had a reason to really sit and dissect this movie and watch it. And I don't have to watch it for another <laughs> five years. I don't, and you know what the funny thing is? I now own it. Oh, there nice. you go. I ended up buying it for two bucks, but still I bought it. So there you go. <laughs> All right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that has been our episode of the Last Action Podcast. What, what, do you want me to send us off? Is that send what you're trying to tell us? Send us off. Start with then, Hovercraft Joe here will finish it. All right, so <laughs> this Last Action Podcast has been terminated. But we'll be back. <laughs> <laughs>